with Jesus holding our hand, what more can we ask for? It is great to look out and see uh, folks looking back at you. This morning felt a little different. Strange. I thought, oh, wait. Yeah, okay. Never mind. We're all right. It wasn't supposed to be the other way. <laughs> it's supposed to be this way. It's good to see you, both members and visitors alike. We praise God for your attendance. And thank you for those who are viewing as well online. Uh, we thank you. We praise our Heavenly Father. And it is just great. It really is to see each and every one of you here tonight. Let's go to God, please, in a word of prayer. Righteous Heavenly Father, Lord of Lords and King of Kings, hallowed be your great and amazing name. We praise you, we love you, and we thank you. And we're continuously mesmerized, Lord God, the greatness that belongs to you. We give you all the praise, the honor, and the glory, and we ask, Lord God, that you help our minds to be clear from worldly thoughts and help us only to think about you and your word this evening as we worship you, to worship you in reverence and in holy array. Lord God, we pray that you will open our ears and our minds uh, to understand your word in a deeper way, that we may, uh, Lord God, glorify your name and and, uh, understand better your will, realizing, Lord God, that you do not think the way that we do, uh, and your ways are not our ways, but your ways are higher than our ways, and your thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Help us, though, Lord God, to be spiritual thinkers, to be people that desire to serve you continually throughout the rest of the days of our lives here on this earth and for eternally, forevermore. In Jesus' name we pray and thank thee to be thy will. Amen. We are continuing and actually rounding the corner and going to end tonight with this law of morality. Last week, if you remember, I mentioned that the law of morality or the patriarchal law, whatever you want to call it or name it, uh, this law of foundations has continued from Genesis all the way through uh, to Jesus on the earth, all the way through into the New Testament. And I want to show you tonight where it ended. You see, there was a great mystery. Ephesians 3 talks about this great mystery that even First Peter talks about, the angels longed to look. Everyone wanted to know, what was God's great and amazing plan? What is this plan that God has designed for humanity? And, well, we're going to look at that plan and uh, and its beginning and its end, if you will. All right, Matthew chapter 10. Actually, tonight we're on the end. Matthew 10, beginning at verse 5. Jesus himself says, These twelve Jesus sent out after instructing them, saying, Do not go in the way of the Gentiles, and do not enter any city of the Samaritans, but rather go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So now it kind of sounds like if you read these verses alone without any prior knowledge or or maybe a different depth of understanding of the Word of God, it seems like God didn't care for the Gentiles. And it was never, it was never that God never cared for the Gentiles. God loved the Gentiles equally as He loved the Jews. God had a plan. And so in this plan, the design at this point in time is Jesus is coming, focusing on Israel. Now, Matthew chapter 15 and verse 21. The grace of God, the mercy of God covers all. Right? Covers all. We've been looking at little bits and pieces of this law. And we just, you know, there's not enough time to bring a lesson and bring out every single point where God actually shows us the law that was given to the rest of the world. But tonight, Matthew chapter 15, verse 21. And Jesus went away from there and withdrew into the district of Tyre and Sidon. 
And behold, a Canaanite woman came out there from that region and began to cry out, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is cruelly demon-possessed. But he did not answer her a word. And his disciples came to him and kept asking him, saying, Send her away, for she is shouting out after us. But he answered and said, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Turn to John chapter 10. John chapter 10. So, again, the thought, well, was God only concerned with the Jews? And we say, yeah, the Jews were God's chosen people. And so, for that reason, they received special blessings and special honor. And, well, not really. When you read about the Jews, you realize that what Jesus is bringing and presenting to us is this law and this message that produces the Christ. Right, The genealogy produces the Christ. He's trying to show us what's important, and that is that the Christ is going to come. And Christ came through Judah. And so there's this train, if you will, this this law and this genealogical trail that covers from, from the very beginning with the Hebrews all the way through until Jesus Christ comes to the earth. In John 10 and verse 14, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, and I know my own, and my own know me. Even as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep, and I have other sheep which are not of this fold, I must bring them also, and they shall hear my voice, and they shall become one flock with one shepherd. Now notice in the text, he says, I have other sheep. The other sheep are the Gentiles. And he calls them sheep, just as he calls the Jews sheep. There's no distinction. God is not one who shows partiality. But he does say, in, in, the, in this particular verse, in the very end of that verse, he says, eventually, the, the time will come, if you will, they'll become one flock and one shepherd. They're not one flock yet. Even though Jesus Christ is on the scene, living on the earth, they're not one flock yet. Now, let's go to Mark uh, chapter, uh, excuse me, actually Matthew chapter uh, chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8. So here Jesus is on um on the scene, he's living his life, and, and, and of course, uh, he's going to be crucified for the sake of humanity. Uh, but yet, it's still not time for the Gentiles to be grafted in. Right? Matthew chapter 8. And by the way, grafted in does not mean salvation. Okay? So I know people have thought that. They thought, well, see, the, the, Jew, the Gentiles, I heard this. The Gentiles, none of them were saved. Like, where do you read that in the Bible? Uh, and there's a misunderstanding of God's, uh, God's plan and God's love for uh, people. Matthew chapter 8, beginning at verse 10. Now, when Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to those who were following, Truly I say to you, I have not found such great faith with anyone in Israel. And I say to you that many shall come from east and west and recline at the table with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and the kingdom in the kingdom of heaven. And so folks are going to come from all over, right? He's talking about Jew and Gentile. The whole world will be a part of the blessing of Abraham, right? So God's promise to Abraham and, and to the world in Genesis chapter uh, 3, God's promise takes place through Abraham for both Jew and Gentile. But let's go look at Galatians, please. Chapter 3. So here's the question. When did this law that we're speaking of, this this law that was given to the Gentiles, when did this law end? Well, let's first look at the law of Moses. It had an ending, right? In verse six, uh, 15, Galatians chapter 3. We'll skip to verse 16. 
Now the promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. He does not say and to seeds as referring to many, but rather to one and to your seed, that is Christ. What I am saying is this. The law, which came 430 years later, does not invalidate a covenant previously ratified by God, so as to nullify the promise. For if the inheritance is based on law, it is no longer based on a promise, but God has granted it to Abraham by means of a promise. Why the law then? It was added because of transgressions, having been ordained through angels by the agency of a mediator, until the seed should come to whom the promise had been made. And so the law of Moses was the last until that seed should come. And that seed is Jesus Christ. So when the law, when did this law, the patriarchs or this foundation law or this law of morality, when did it end? Let's turn to Acts chapter 10. It ended with the household of Cornelius. And I want to show you some things that's really important when you think about what the text is saying to us. Acts 10, beginning at verses 1 and verse 2. Now there was a certain man at Caesarea named Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian cohort, a devout man and one who feared God with all his household and gave many alms to the Jewish people and prayed to God continually. Now I would ask you this. If the Gentiles, if the law of morality is over with the death of Christ when the church began in A.D. 33, I would ask you then, if Cornelius is not a proselyte, if Cornelius is not a Christian, how can he possibly be a devout man? How can he, in this particular verse, be one who fears God? How can he be one who um, is continually praying to God, how can he be in some sort of a relationship with God if he is a Gentile and the law of Christ has come along and now we all are brought together one one shepherd, one shepherd and one people because it hasn't happened yet. As we continue on in verse 21, Acts 10 and verse 22, again, the, the question is, by what standard do you use to determine that Cornelius, a Gentile, is a devout man? Verse 21, and Peter went down to the men and said, Behold, I am the one you are looking for. What is the reason for which you have come? And they said, Cornelius, a centurion, a righteous and God-fearing man, well spoken of by the entire nation of the Jews, was divinely directed by a holy angel to send for you and to come to his house and hear a message from you. So, again, he does not have the law of Christ. The law of Moses is, is over. How can you determine or how would we investigate his life and say, this man is a righteous man if there is no law? Right? Canaries is being judged by the law of morality, the law of foundation, the patriarchal law, whatever you would like to call it. But this ends with the household of Cornelius. In Acts chapter 10 and verse 44, there's an interesting uh, situation here where it, it, it wasn't a question of whether or not uh, Cornelius should be baptized. We all, we all for the most part are given a choice. And no doubt Cornelius also has a choice to be baptized, but he refused to disobey the command of God. But notice Cornelius is commanded. He's commanded. In verse 44, 
while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all the house who were listening to the message. And all the circumcised believers who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out upon the Gentiles also. For they were hearing them speaking with tongues and exalting God. Then Peter answered, Surely no one can refuse the water for those who to be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we did. Can he? And he ordered them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked him to stay on for a few days. At this point, at this point, there's, there's no more or no longer two laws. At this point, from this point forward, forever more, there's only one law and one people. Okay? Now look at chapter 11 of the book of Acts. In verse 17, Peter in explaining, and you go back please and read all of Acts chapter 11 and 10. But Peter explaining uh, that the Gentiles received the same exact gift as the Jews. Not only the Jews, the chosen uh, uh, Christians who are the apostles of God. The same exact gift. He explains that and he says in verse 17, If God therefore gave to them the same gift as he gave to us also after believing in the Lord Jesus Christ... Who was I that I could stand in God's way? And when they heard this, they quieted down and glorified God, saying, Well then, God has granted to the Gentiles also the repentance that leads to life. And so this was that great and amazing mystery that was held in the mind, if you will, of God. Matthew, please, chapter 24. One law for all. One message for all. Matthew 24, beginning, if you will, in verse 12. And because lawlessness is increased, most people's love will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end, he shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world for a witness to all the nations, and then the end shall come. We are in the last dispensation of time and there is one law that will be preached to all the nations and then the end will come Matthew 28 Matthew 28 we read this all the time in verse 18 the commission given to the apostles in verse 18 and Jesus came up and spoke to them saying all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I command you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Turn to Mark chapter 16. This is so important when when you go out and you are doing, say, mission work and, and you come across people in different parts of the land. I mean, I found people in America who haven't heard of Jesus. Uh, you may say, what? No way. Yeah, I have uh, in teaching the Bible. But when you go out and you teach the Word, you, you cannot go into the midst of people that are um, uh, following their ancestral beliefs and then say, well, let's make some kind of variance for them. For now, there's one law for all people because the gospel will spread to all nations and all people at one point in time where everyone knew the great grace of our God. Mark chapter 16 and verse 15. And he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all 
creation. And that's exactly what they did. Acts chapter 1, please. They preached the word to absolutely everyone and everyone at one time. Everyone heard the gospel. And that same message, amazingly, as we go from uh, from one work to another work in different parts of the world, we are often amazed. We get there and you find the Lord's church. You know, it's it's everywhere. God's people are everywhere. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. Here is an outline of the entire book of Acts, just in one, one verse. It says, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and even to the remotest parts of the earth. And that's exactly what happens throughout the entire book. Again, to all people. Romans, please. Romans chapter 1. The message of God going out to all people because there's only one message, one shepherd from this point forward for all of humanity. Romans 1, beginning at verse 14. And I am under obligation both to Greeks and the barbarians, both to the wise and the foolish. Thus on my part I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to every one who believes to the Jew first and also the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith as it is written, but the righteous man shall live by faith. Right? Faith in God. Turn to Colossians, please. Chapter, chapter 3. And look, if you will, at verse 11. Colossians chapter 3. And verse 11. A renewal in which there is no distinction between Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave and freeman, but Christ is all and in all. So, again, you know, no longer is there this Jew and Gentile relationship. From this point forward, from the household of Cornelius forward, there's only one. And that is the message that we proclaim to the lost and dying world today, that there's only one, right? Galatians, please, chapter 3. And in Christ, it's, a, it's an amazing uh, situation where all are considered equal uh, and have always been in the mind of God. Now, God knew this, and God has always done this, but we are the only ones that struggle with that, right? But God has always had a plan that would save the Gentile as well as save the Jew from the very beginning all the way through into uh, what we consider uh, the Jews uh, and up to today. He always has had a plan to save humanity. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 27. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor freeman. There is neither male nor female for you all are one in Christ Jesus. Just just one, not two. Just just one. And then Jude. Jude verse 3. Jude verse 3. As the message was being proclaimed, uh, Jude says something really interesting. Jude says, um, Beloved, while I was making every effort to write to you about our common salvation, I felt the necessity to write to you appealing that you contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered 
to the saints. There's only one message. There isn't two. And it helps us to understand and to be able to cope with First Thessalonians chapter, um, chapter 1. This is a very hard scripture, but it's the truth. And when you read the truth, you have to abide by it. And you have to, Second uh, Thessalonians, I'm sorry, I'm looking at that. You have to uh, consider that God knows what's best and God knows what is right. There was a time, there was a time when the Gentiles could go their own way, but not anymore. Second Thessalonians chapter 1, beginning at verse 5. This is a plain indication of God's righteous judgment, so that you may be considered worthy of the kingdom of God, for which indeed you are suffering. For after all, it is only just for God to repay with affliction those who afflict you, and to give relief to you who are afflicted, and to us as well, when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, dealing out retribution to those who do not know God and to those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. And these will pay the penalty of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. We have work to do. This is the very last dispensation. This In this time, in this era in which we live, it's pretty amazing. If Whatever you want to know, you can find on your phone, right? Just about anything you want to know. So anyone that wants to know the truth can pick that phone up amazingly. I mean, you can, you'll learn a lot of other stuff too. But if you want the truth, God has so many ways of bringing truth to the world today. In fact, evangelism, evangelism, not that we're doing more work necessarily per capita, but in reality, we're doing so, there are so many additional resources. We are so well connected now with the preaching of the gospel. Okay, you can get it online, you can get it through radio, you can get it through on paper, you can get it on your phone. You can get it in almost every way, and it hasn't always been that way. But we're thankful to God that people that want to be saved can be saved. Now, God has always had it that way. It has always been that way. I mean, you, you think about uh, Acts chapter 8 and the Ethiopian eunuch. I mean, he met the man in the desert. And so there's God has a way to save all of humanity, and that's exactly what God has done from the very beginning of time. Remember again, God was showing us Jesus. And that's why you read, and what's important in the genealogy is Jesus. Come from Adam through Seth, and he follows that lineage, that genealogy all the way through, and you can see the reality of God's plan. And God protected that genealogy. But in that genealogy, remember you've got some Jews and some Gentiles, more Jews, if you will, a few Gentiles. Through that genealogy, it wasn't about that. It was about bringing forth the Christ, right? And that's why that message is clear. At the same time, there's another law that God had, that law of morality or foundations or the law of the patriarchs that continued to run alongside of the law of Moses. And it continues all the way up to the household of Cornelius. Acts chapter 14. Acts chapter 14. But now there's only one law. And we, God's people, ought to teach and proclaim that one law to a lost and dying world. Acts 14 and verse 16. And in the generations gone by, he permitted all the nations to go their own ways. God permitted it. God allowed it. Is God allowing it anymore? Acts chapter 17, please. The answer, absolutely not. 
Now there's one law. And we must teach that one law to this lost and dying world. In verse 30 of Acts chapter 17, the Bible says, Therefore, having overlooked the times of ignorance, God is now declaring to men that all everywhere should repent. And what are they repenting to? Not like the city of Nineveh. Not like Nineveh with the days of Jonah where they just repented to that law of morality, but rather to repent and come to Christ. So God has told us. It's so logical. He says, first you have to hear the word, right? And then you have to make a decision. Do I believe that word? Or do I disbelieve it? And then if you decide you've believed it, you have to make a decision. Do I want to change my life and live for Jesus? Or have I heard a message that I believe, but mm, I'm not really ready to change? And if you've heard it and you believed it, and you're willing to change, there's one more thing to do. And that is, for you, you have to confess his name. And say, well, do you believe in Jesus Christ? Will you confess that? Yes, I believe that Jesus Christ is Lord, the Son of the living God. And you say, great, right now I'm good. Well, no, not quite, but you've done what you're supposed to do. Now it's time for you to surrender. And your surrender is to die in the likeness of Jesus Christ and be baptized into Jesus Christ, right? Surrender to God, go down into the watery grave, and be raised up anew. Add it to the church of Christ. Given the gift of the Holy Spirit, having been sealed by the Holy Spirit, not once saved, always saved, but having been sealed by the Holy Spirit. In other words, God now recognizes you as one of His. There's not two laws. There's only one way to be saved today. And we encourage you, if you have not put on Christ in baptism, do it today. The lesson is yours. We thank you for your time. God bless each and every one of you.